everyone. Welcome to First Things First. Jenna Wolf, Nick Wright, Brandon Marshall, Kevin Wilds. We all sat down early this morning so I could give you one word, two syllables. This is for you, my friend Nick. Rondo. Rondo showed up <laughs> yes. last night, oh, made Nick he happy, did. I'm sure. Wilds was thrilled. Brandon is as well. And that is where we start this morning. Uh, game three last night between the Lakers and the Rockets and Ray Jean Rondo, Nick, finished 21 and 9. He showed up. And while both Harden and Russ did have big games, we talked about which one. It turned out it was both, but it wasn't enough because it wasn't as big as LeBron James. 36 points for the King and a bevy of highlights. Lakers get the win. They take a 2-1 series lead for LeBron. A milestone night. He becomes the NBA's all-time leader in playoff wins with 162. That passes Derek Fisher. So, Nick, though, let's get back to this game. So what did you make of the Lakers taking a lead for the first time in this series over the Houston Rockets? Well, this was a monster win for the Lakers, and it took a monster LeBron James performance. Those 29 first-half points, that's the most points he has scored in a half of a playoff game since the single biggest, most important, and arguably best game of his entire career. The 45-15-5 in 2012 in Game 6 in Boston with the entire Miami blueprint on the line. That was his first half, and in the second half, you almost felt bad for Houston. LeBron seemed to be taking out his very deserved frustration of once again being snubbed on an all-defensive team by being the best defensive player alive for at least a quarter of basketball in that third <laughs> quarter when he just kept punching rocket shots all about the crowd. The, the Lakers held Houston to 38 second-half points, and if you're Houston... This is a really tough pill to swallow. That in game two, you have a lead going into the fourth quarter. You score, you make 22 threes. You hit over 40% of your threes. And you lose in game three. Yep. You're tied going into the fourth quarter. Russ plays excellent. We Just his second mm -hmm. game in the playoffs since Durant left the Thunder, where he's above 50%. The Rockets again shoot 40% or better from three and you lose again to add injury to insult. Robert Covington gets dinged. They were already short in their rotation because Daniel House wasn't there. This was a Houston had to win one of these two games, shooting the way they did, volume yep. in game two with efficiency, game three efficiency, plus what Russ did. The fact that they lost both because LeBron was so thoroughly dominant on both ends, and I must admit, because Le Rondo – or as I think Kevin Wilds is going to demand I call him forever now, <laughs> playoff Rondo was really, really good. It, it, it right. is very That's hard right. to see, Brandon, how the Rockets can find playoff Rondo, how the Rockets can find three wins in the next four games, which is what they need to win this series, Brandon. Listen, you're right. Rondo was good, but I thought LeBron James was brilliant. And his greatness was on full display for us. So I thought that was the most defining moment in his game was how he started this, in this whole game and he started fast. But then I looked at Russell Westbrook and I wanted to say that he was brutal. Mm. And I know you just said that he had an excellent mm. game, Nick. But I thought about Rondo having what we call in football these drive-killing moments. What are drive-killing moments? 
there when you you're on a like five a play pass. drive six play drive drop pass by the wide receiver on third down the offensive lineman jumps offside. He gets a, a terrible holding call, a penalty when it was like, wow, where did this come from? Quarterback throws interception. But the reality is Rondo did play good. There were some times in a moment where it's like, man, Rondo, if you just hit that shot, it would just, it would be that defining moment for us where we can really separate ourselves from the Lakers. Yeah. But when you peel oh, you back the layers. You're saying Westbrook the difference, well. Got it. West, yes, but when you peel back the layers, this game was defined by the lack of participation on the offensive end by Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker. Collectively, they scored 13 points wilds, and I think that was the defining moment for the Rockets not winning this game. Yeah, you know, I, I said it all this week that the Rockets need to shoot 63s, and they've yet to do it. And my, my guy, Russ, is passing up threes where I'm the only person on earth that wants him to take him and want him to shoot out of it because I just think he's going to get to at least 30%, which is his career average. But I want to go back to the story of the day and, and maybe, Nick, your career. Ever since you were, you know, <laughs> a young guy at Syracuse University <laughs> slandering playoff mm -hmm. Rondo. And at times, folks, well, like last your old buddy Kevin Wilds has been treated like a Rockets layup by LeBron James and our friend Nick Wright. I say, hey, admit that you're nervous about the Blazers. Blammo! Into the first row. Hey, admit <laughs> that you're scared about Cam Newton and Bill Belichick coming into Arrowhead. Boom! Pinned against the backboard. Hey, admit that Kawhi's load management is a smart strategy and sets him up for playoff success. Pinned over into the family section. But now, <laughs> your old friend Kevin Wilde is in a quitter. 21 points, 8 for 11. 3 for 5 from 3 and 9 assists. I get a text from Nick whispering, Oh no. Playoff Rondo might be real. So Nick, I would like you to admit now. That was a private that you text, wholeheartedly. That was, that was not hundred percent. Yeah. But he showed you, you the phone. In playoff Rondo and the ability for him to carry LeBron James and the Lakers to victory. Okay. All right. So, all right. As always, you <laughs> take it awesome. three steps too far. But here That's is Kevin what Wilde. is true. Rajon Rondo has not been. It's not that he's been okay in the two regular seasons he's played with the Lakers. In the two regular seasons he's played with the Lakers. He has been the worst player on the team. The worst plus minus. Oh, no. Stop he, it. There's no lineup Stop that has it. worked. No, hold on. Wait, I, I'm going to bring this around. And I had okay. no, to me, I had no choice but to believe that is who he was at this point. There were folks. It is a very eclectic group. There's a college professor at Grand Valley State, Lou Moore, who I follow on Twitter, who loves playoff Rondo. Kendrick Perkins, who uh, adores playoff Rondo. And Kevin Wilds, that triumvirate, have just been trying to beat into my brain, just wait for the postseason. Wait for the postseason. And then the postseason comes around. He's hurt. And then his first game in the playoffs that he plays, the Lakers lose, and he looks terrible. I'm like, okay, he is what he is at this point in his career. And then, Brandon, something happened in these last two games to where I, I might have to open my mind up that playoff Rondo really is still a thing. 
that that Brandon, oh, maybe yeah. it's because he comes into the league it's those and in year two he's on a tight he's winning a title. Here's, and so like may, maybe because he had right, so Brandon, many playoff moments early, the regular season here's, bores here's him. I don't know what it is. But Brandon, this player didn't here's exist what's happening. for the last two years in a Lakers uniform. Yeah, here's what's happening, right? This is why it's such a shocker because it's about those moments. There comes a point in the game as players and fans where we know this is the time to separate, whether it's in a third quarter to fourth quarter. And in those moments, R Rondo is hitting the big shot. Westbrook's not Rondo is. And that's why we're talking about Rondo the last couple of days is because he's playing huge in those big moments. So All right, we'll, the, we'll just the leave it there, but I will tell here. you. No, no, Go hold ahead, on, Jenna. Nick. I just have to tell you that my dad just texted and said, can you add me to that list? He loved Rondo when he was in Boston. It was important for him that I got that out, and I said that to you. We're going to get back to this game. <laughs> we got a lot of Giannis to talk about coming up, but we'll talk about football on the other side. The Cardinals backing up the Brinks truck for DeAndre Hopkins yesterday. We're going to break Ooh, down Nukes. Pay the New man. deal. New deal. Brandon says pay the man. Next, first things first. New deal, new money. First Things First is proud to be presented by FanDuel Fantasy. Sports are finally back. Basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, baseball, golf, and more. And football's right around the corner, which means fantasy football is back. Never played at FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel's offering users the chance to play free this NFL season. No deposit required. Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. FanDuel Fantasy is an easy-to-use app. Pick a new team every game and compete for cash payouts. FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free this NFL season. No deposit required. Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Go to FanDuel.com FTF or download the FanDuel Fantasy app to play now. FanDuel, more ways to win. Like that, Brandon, the hair does that thing. Uh, speaking <laughs> of great athletes, DeAndre Hopkins signing a two-year, $54 million extension with the Cardinals. Big news out of the NFL yesterday. That keeps him in Arizona for the next five years. If you crunch the numbers, it averages out to 18.8 million per season new posting a celebratory picture on the gram after the deal so Brandon I know your bar for wide receivers is about as high as bars go but is DeAndre Hopkins in your opinion the best wide receiver in the NFL this is hard you know <laughs> over the last 13 14 <laughs> years when we had these discussions you got to look at I mean situations there's so much to this, to the success of a wide receiver. We are the one position on the field where our success is in the hands of so many others. Play caller, offensive coordinator, quarterback, offensive line. So when you look at like who is who and, it, you know, and ranking these guys, it's almost impossible. So this is how I've, you know, 
put together my list, all right? And there's a lot of guys out there that is more than capable of being in the top three to top five. I want to show you a graphic because I don't want to be walking the streets and these guys get mad at me. Mike Evans is a guy that could easily be number one <laughs> if everything was equal. You got Odell Beckham Jr. You have Devontae Adams. You have even Adam Thielen. I mean, these guys can easily go for 1,500, 1,600 yards if everything was equal. But let's bring it back to the question. Let me answer that for you. Who do I believe is number one? And how do I look at it? When a game is on the line, can you beat one on one? Can you beat man on man? That's what I look at. And there's three guys that, that's at the top of my list. DeAndre Hopkins. That's Mike T down in New Orleans. Okay. And that's also Julio Jones. So if I had to pick one guy, I'm going with Julio Jones because Julio Jones, he had this oh. unique skill set, size, speed. I mean, he make the, the tough play in the clutch. So for that reason, I got to go with him. But I, I've, I've said DeAndre's been the number one receiver for the last couple years. But if I'm starting the team right now, I'm going with Julio Jones. But it's hard, Nick. It's really hard to pick. And it's, it's almost impossible to pick. Here is the best case you can make for DeAndre is he is one of the only receivers in the league. And in this way, Brandon, he reminds me of you where his production is independent of the play at quarterback. So let's, can we just show two years from DeAndre Hopkins? They are startlingly similar. The 2015 season and the 2018 yep. season. He has, uh, look at those numbers. Those are almost carbon copy years. The difference is this. In 2015, wow. his quarterbacks were Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates, and Brandon Whedon. Those were his quarterbacks in 2015. Ryan in 2018, it was Desha yeah, four games of Ryan Mallett. In 2018, it was Deshaun Watson. Yep. And so as great as Julio is, Jenna, the argument for DeAndre would be, Julio's been matched up with Matt Ryan his whole time. DeAndre was a first-team All-Pro caliber season when Ryan Mallett and TJ Yates were throwing him passes, and he was a first-team All-Pro caliber receiver when the great Deshaun Watson was throwing him passes. That, so I think it, I agree with Brandon. It's incredibly hard to pick one, but that is a feather he has in his cap that Mike Thomas, who's played with Drew Brees his whole career, and Julio Jones has played with Matt Ryan his whole career, Jenna, do not have. So, Nick, let me ask you, two years, $54 million. Did the money in this deal surprise you at all? Well, it, the way it was reported surprised me. I, I, I mean, Brandon, it, this, is, this is a little, you know, finagling of the media, if you will, or manipulation of the media. He's not getting $27 million a year because he had three years and 40 left on his deal. So you've got to look at it as five years, 94 million. So as Jenna crunched the numbers before the show, just under 19 million per year, which is right in line with all of the top receivers in football. So yeah, Brandon, 27 million a year would have been an exorbitant sum, but when you're just tacking it on yeah. to an undervalued deal that has three years left, it honestly reminded me, if I'm correct, of what happened with you. When you went from Chicago to the Jets, the Jets traded for you, but they knew your contract was a little too cheap for a man of your stature, and so as soon as you got there, they reworked <laughs> it. So that, that's, to me, what was going on here, and we knew this was going to happen once they made the trade.
No, it's an opportunity and players and coaches know there. There's so much that goes behind the scenes when you see a player trade. A lot of times we think that as fans, as people watching it, oh, this guy was just traded overnight. No, sometimes this is in the works for weeks or even months. So for me, there's been so many times, and I hate to say that, but there's been three times where I've been traded and literally for weeks and months, my agent was working behind the scenes. He was telling teams not to trade for me. We put a list together and we tried to dictate where I went. Uh, the situation from Chicago to New York, that was part of the deal. When I, I reached out to Coach Bowles, I said, Coach Bowles, I would love to play for you again. I would love to be there. But you have to sweeten up the pot a little bit for me. And it was an opportunity. Did they have to do that? No. But as a player and as an agent, you know there are opportunities when a, when a player goes from a, another team midway through their contract, and maybe that team is, is not as good, then you know, like, hey, if you want me there, you got to pay me a little bit of extra. I, the, the Cleveland Browns, amazing story. I remember Josh McCown were being at a church convention and Cleveland Browns was throwing everyone at me like, hey, we really want you. We really want you. We're going to pay you $14 million a year. Everyone else was at $10 million, $11 million. I looked at, I believe it was Ray Farmer at the time. I said, Ray, you will not trade for me. I will not come. I told Josh McCown, stop asking me. There's no way I'm coming. I will retire right now. I hate it because Ray's such a great guy, but it was the situation around all of Cleveland. I think Cleveland's good, but back then it wasn't. Yeah, sure you, you don't do. have to apologize. Sure you yeah, do. you didn't yeah. want to go there. Yeah. Go ahead, Wilds. <laughs> you didn't you need to apologize. You can't just tag yeah, on I think Cleveland's good. I don't, I don't want, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to take off the Cleveland Browns fans right now. No, I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure it's a great town. You wouldn't step foot there for $14 million, but it's still great. It's a wonderful place. Would I go there for $14 million? Not, no, you, not a chance, but it's wonderful. A lot of great people there. Hey, um, Brandon, what was your take on um, DeAndre doing the deal himself? He said he did 90% of the deal himself. It was important for him to learn the terminology, and really he wanted to, like, felt like it was on his bucket list as he tries to become a GM. It's one of his aspirations. So, he did the deal himself. I thought that was fascinating, all while he was also trying to learn Cliff Kingsbury's playbook. So what was your take on that? Yeah. Well, uh, my agent, Kennard McGuire, who just did the clowny deal, uh, he may not like this, but I think more players should do it because it's easy. We're already plan paying the NFLPA, our attorneys, to look at these very deals. So it's not hard. You understand the market. You understand your worth as and your value as a player. All you got to do is lean on the NFLPA. I think more players should do it. So shout out to uh, Hopkins for setting the tempo here for more receivers and more players to come. All right, Jerry, if you're listening, my agent, I may or may not use you on my next deal. Uh, coming up, will it be a two-team race to win the AFC all season long between Mahomes Chiefs and Lamar's Ravens? That's next, first things first. Jerry, are you even watching? Let's talk some football now. So our friends over at Fox Bet have been crunching the numbers. Here's what they came up with. For best odds to win the AFC, the mm. defending champion Kansas City Chiefs leading the way, followed by Lamar and the Ravens. Then, then guys, there's a pretty significant drop until we get to the Steelers, the Buffalo Bills, and the Colts. So, Brandon, you think it's going to be a two-team race to win the AFC all season long between those top two teams, the Chiefs and the Ravens? I don't, Jenna. I think it's going to be four. I, I mean, obviously, we know the Chiefs wow. and the Ravens will be in the mix. 
the Chiefs, you know, there's a lot of talk around can this team be a dynasty? You look at the Ravens and the maturation of Lamar Jackson. Will he get better? Yes. But then there's two teams that stand out. The Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers is one. Coach Tomlin, I could, he could have easily been the, 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 the head coach of the year last year. He did a phenomenal yep. job of stepping up and really galvanizing that locker room when his quarterbacks went down. Uh, he did a great job midseason of getting that defense into shape. And now you have the return of Big Ben, who I think has a huge chip on his shoulder. And he, he actually is a really good quarterback, as we all know. And then the last team, this outlier, is the Titans. And it shouldn't be a shocker. I think they have the recipe for success. They can play good defense. They can play great defense, actually. They play great situational football. That's, that's you know, streamlined down by Coach Vrabel. And then also they have a running game. They're going to need that in December and January. And then they have an efficient passing game. So I think it's going to be four teams, not two. Nick. Brandon? I love your faith in the Titans, the team who went to the AFC Championship last year, the Steelers, thanks to what a great coach Mike Tomlin is, found a way to go 8-8 eight and eight despite having the worst quarterback situation in football. So I appreciate Man. all that, but you are out of your damn mind, bro. This is, <laughs> this is so clearly a two-team race, and it is such a unique season. Because if we were to rank the best eight teams in the NFL, I think six of them are in the NFC. I think only two of the top eight are in the AFC. But those happen to be the best two teams in football by a wide margin. Certainly the best two teams in the conference. And when you, you mentioned the Steelers, they got a 38-year-old quarterback coming off uh, the most significant upper body injury of his career. Now, maybe with what Nikola Jokic is doing, this is going to be the year of the overweight athlete, and Big Ben's going to continue to carry that torch, <laughs> but I have my doubts. Ryan Tannehill is not going to have back-to-back -back extraordinary seasons. And the other the guy on why that not? list, the other teams on that list, the why not? Because I, I believe it's yeah. more likely, Brandon, why not? he you know is why I love, you know, who you, he was. You know why I like Ryan and mm -hmm. No, this is why I like Ryan Tannehill. He was actually on his, on his way to being a really good quarterback before Adam Gase came in, and then he had some injuries. And, I, and Adam Gase, was, it was a great match, but then there were some injuries, okay? This guy is battle-tested. This guy stood up in the, in the toughest time, led this team, and also was super efficient. If you go back and look at the stats, no, he wasn't throwing it 20, he 25, was. 30 times a game. But when he we was. talk about efficient and dropping dimes and getting his team in the right situations, you couldn't ask for a better quarterback. Down the stretch, there was no one playing better than Ryan Tannehill outside of Kirk Cousins. Listen, he was. it's a great okay. point, and, and, and Wilds, I'll kick it to you. The issue for Tannehill is, because his numbers were off the charts, how much of that was set up by Derrick Henry being Earl Campbell for 10 weeks, and can we expect Derrick Henry to – we know he's going to be good, but can we expect him to be historically prolific year over but, year, Wilds? But that's so the I, point, I, and I'm, I'm, so, I'm, so, the, I'm sorry, Wilds. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Wilds, and I'll let you just jump in right here. But that is the point. That's the recipe. Is because they have a running game. All of it works together. Okay. All right, Wilds, go this, ahead. Uh, Ryan Tannehill. I'm supposed to be nervous about Ryan Tannehill, Jenna. <laughs> is, is that it? 
Or, or, or the Super Bowl hangover what, Chiefs. That is what the B-man said. Or the said. Steelers yeah. who are hangover. four and Indeed. nine against Bill Belichick and zero oh and two in but the who playoffs. Played well is, without is that, without is that what I'm supposed Sparger to be nervous yep. about? Yes, a, yes. And I'll, I'll end it with a little uh, hip-hop trivia. A lot of people, you know that uh, Jay-Z sample, you go, okay, I'm reloading. You know, a lot of people think that's from Carlito's way. It's not. Every year... Bill Belichick and Jay-Z hook up, and he goes into the recording booth and says it once he gets his roster every year. So the idea that I'm That's nervous good. That's good. at all, and we're plus 1,200 on five. I'm like, guys, what are we Just This is my not nervous drink. Go ahead. Yeah, maybe it's Ryan Tannehill this year. Okay, maybe. Okay. Maybe it's not Cam Newton. Okay, you guys Cam are way too so comfortable oh, in New England. Okay. Way too comfortable in New England. Yeah. Go ahead, Brandon. The dynasty's over, Well, I'm bro. actually uncomfortable. I got over. six rings I got to lug around all over the place. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> well, yeah. This but conversation, it, this conversation, guys, was supposed to be Chiefs and Ravens, and now suddenly the AFC is blown wide open. Nick, you're not buying it. Well, no, I'm not buying it at all. In fact, I'm going to give out my first gambling tip of the NFL season. And the gambling tips oh. on this show over the quarantine have been spectacular. But if you look at the Chiefs at plus 260 and the Ravens at plus 330, I'm going to pay for your entire season of sports betting right now, but you're just going to have to wait 20 weeks to cash the ticket. Here's what you do. <laughs> Bet them both, America. Go on Fox Bet right now. If you need to, if you, need to you know, get, borrow some money from your spouse or whatever you need to do, squirrel that away. Because if you bet the Chiefs and the Ravens, you can't lose. Because one of those two teams is going to win the conference. And with the Chiefs at plus and 260 you... and the Ravens at plus 330, you're guaranteed a profit there. There is, there is, you play this season a hundred times, a hundred times out of a hundred, one of those two teams comes out of the AFC. Yeah. And Brandon, Wilds out here talking about if... the, the Patriots, he should, instead of being worried about the the fighting Ryan Tannehills, he should be a little more worried about the fighting Josh Allens, according to Fox Bet, because oh, the Bills' God. odds were listed before the Patriots' odds, if I read that graphic correctly, Brandon. Then there's the fight yeah, in Philip Rivers, too. If you really want to make some money, if, if you really want to make some money, then you bet on the Steelers, you bet on the Titans, you can also throw in the Colts. Let's add a 15 to that discussion. Go ahead, right. Jenna. I'm betting so on 17 teams. I'm betting on every single another? team. I don't really know how to bet. I'm betting on every team <laughs> in the <laughs> AFC. Oh, um, by the way, great news. We got some about long. Go finish Go up. Ahead, <laughs> no, I was no, just going to set say, us up you know, for hey, that's so. great value. It's great value at 12 to one. It's great value at 10 to one. Do you know what the value of a losing ticket is? Zero. Like, oh, my God, I had this unbelievable value. No, it's actually worth nothing. What are we betting they, for? It it's called it's gambling. Not good, it's not good It's value. called gambling. What are, you, what, what are you betting for? That's what you want. You want the big well, win. Well, hell, you can get great odds on the Jags, my man. I can get them at 75 to 1. Like, I mean, That's hey, you buy a bad All this, all this, all this action gets underway tomorrow night when the NFL kicks off this season. We'll take a turn. It was a milestone night for LeBron James. That's next. First things first. I'm betting everybody. <laughs> for a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. It's also a gym, a bakery, and a barber shop. And if you're a business owner or a people manager, home might also be where you do your hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place. 
ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. No matter where you're hiring from, ZipRecruiter does the work for you. How? Well, ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you and you stand out from the competition. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, First Things First listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com approach. That's ZipRecruiter.com approach, A-P-P-R-O-A-C-H. ZipRecruiter.com approach. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension, that's a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash FTF right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash FTF, theragun.com slash FTF. Welcome in Antoine Walker to talk game three between the Lakers and Rockets and Rajon Rondo. Twad, Nick gives Rondo such a hard time. The guy finished 21 and 9. He's been nothing but great for this team. And while both Harden and Russ did have big games, it wasn't as big as LeBron's. 36 points, a bunch of highlights as the Lakers take a 2-1 series lead here. For the King, a milestone night, becoming the NBA's all-time leader in playoff wins with 162. That passes Derek Fisher on that list. All right, Antoine, we start with you. What would you make of LeBron and the Lakers taking the lead for the first time in this series? Uh, I thought it was an impressive win last night when you really think about um, how they had to win the game. LeBron was great the first half offensively. Was not great the second half, but defensively, he really had his impact on the game and really spearheaded their run. But the, the game was one, and I know, we, Nick, I heard you guys talking about it, but I don't know if it's playoff run, though. But it's just good basketball player, Rondo. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a guy that can get it done at these moments and this time. Just why it was so important for him to get back. You know he was going to lose Avery Bradley. And not because he scored 21 last night, but the pace that he controls the game at um, really helps mm-hmm. the Lakers. He gets the ball to the right people. He allows Rondo, I mean, Rondo allows LeBron James to rest you know, three, four minutes at a time, and the offense still flows. He gets the ball to the right people. And when he makes three-point shots, we all know that's a bonus. Last night he had it going offensively. But more impressively, I thought, was the defense, the nine assists, and then the leadership to get them in the right plays and, and make sure they're at the right pace. Because so many teams play Houston and try to play that style. But with Rondo, he keeps the game under control, and he's been great the last two games. And he's the real reason why they're up 2-1 in this series. But great performance by LeBron in the first half. I thought 
for LeBron not to have it going the second half offensively and to make his impact on the defensive end kind of shows that's why he's the best player in the world. He separated himself a little bit because mm -hmm. he could dominate on both ends of the floor. Right. And he did it on a night where it, he found out he got snubbed again from an all-defensive team. How, how you can say there were 10 players in the league better on defense than LeBron this year is just mystifying to me. But, hey, somebody had to vote for Luka and Dame for, the, for those <laughs> awards, I guess. But more importantly, <laughs> uh, let's talk about Rondo for a second. Because it is not just – on this show, I'm painted as the person who is highly critical of Rondo. But on this show, I'm the only one. But I am one of literally millions of folks who have watched every Laker game for the last two years and have said Rondo has been the worst guy on the team. It's not called regular Which is what Rondo. makes... Okay, well, the, well the, <laughs> Wild, I, I, I guess you're right. But there's it's alliteration there. It's what makes there. this so... It's what makes this so shocking to me because it's one thing if a guy was great in the playoffs every single year of his career and you just knew he took regular seasons off. But Rondo had had one great playoff moment in the last seven years leading up until three days ago. And now Antoine's right. In back-to-back -back games, he was the difference. In game two, the Rockets hit 22 threes and lost because the Lakers got unexpected production from Rondo. Last night, the Rockets hit 40% of their threes. Russ was extraordinary. Harden was very good. And the Rockets lost because Rondo comes in and gives you 21 points on 11 shots. Like, I, it is, it, to go from being Wilds, it's not that he's gone from being bad to, oh, playable. He's gone from being bad to, in these two games, excellent. It's, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> baffling to me. And so I just, I got to give him credit. I don't know if he can continue at Wilds, but I got to give him credit for it. He's been great these two games. Uh, well, I, if someone's <laughs> nickname is Playoff Rondo and he shows up in the playoffs, it shouldn't be baffling at all. It should be exactly what you expect. It's like that, like, fix-it tape. That's it's right. like, wow, the fix-it tape fixed it. Like, yeah. That's why we call it fix-it tape. Take, take your boat out now. It's got, we fixed it, fixed the hole in it with some tape. Hey, Antoine, the question, you kind of said something at the, at the beginning of this segment that I thought was interesting. You're like, ah, I don't know if it's playoff Rondo. I think it's just good basketball Rondo. Rondo himself told Mark Stein that he hates the nickname playoff Rondo because he, the, take, the idea is what Nick was saying. It's like, well, I'm good all the time. I don't just like show up in the playoffs, but the stats prove him wrong. So do you feel like the playoff Rondo nickname is actually a negative in a way? Well, you got to think like this. If you follow Rondo's career, which Nick probably hasn't followed him. He's a Kentucky guy, so he probably hadn't followed his career the way he's supposed to. Rondo's never, Rondo's never, Rondo's never been a great shooter in his whole career. One thing, one thing to course. knock on Rondo is that he can run a team. He's a great passer. He's an elite defender. The West's always been his whole career. But he's made, you got to give him a lot of credit. Over his career, come playoff time, he's made big shots. And two, Nick, I mean, I, mean yeah. I don't like the fact you say he hasn't been good in seven years. Let's go back to New Orleans with Anthony no. Davis. He played great in that no, playoff no. series. He was, he was unbelievable in that playoff no, no, no. series. You Antoine, said you say he has been clear, good in seven years. To be clear, and I'll kick it to you, Brandon. No, no, no. I, sa I said he'd been, I said he's been good once. 
in seven years, and it was that series. It was that run with Anthony okay. Davis when they swept well, you, the Blazers. Okay. But they, so, no, okay, he, he, sure. he was great there, but then so much of the other playoff stuff is when he was with your beloved Celtics or previously in the NCAA tournament with your beloved Wildcats or I assume at your family barbecues. I mean, we brought, I feel like we have Antoine <laughs> on just to hammer me over the head the day after his beloved Wildcat and Celtic but, but Rondo Brandon, played great. But Brandon, go but ahead. But Brandon, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that LeBron loves him and LeBron likes that he's out there and LeBron has confidence in him. I'm sure that goes a yeah, long way him. to part of Rondo's success, no? 100% and, and walk and, and Jenna, we talked about this earlier. When you look at when you look at Ronda, Rondo, and then you look at the contrast and the guy on the other end, you look at Westbrook. The thing that uh, define this this series, this game, and the big differentiator is that in those big moments, Rondo hits the shot and Westbrook does not. We know as players, and walk. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but we know as players, we know as 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 like avid basketball fans and and, and watchers. There comes a moment in the game where you're like, okay, it's time to separate. Whether that's the third quarter, that's the fourth quarter. Statistically, Westbrook, he played well. But then there was those moments where it's like, ah, oh, he missed that shot, or ah, oh, that was a bad pass, or ah, oh, that was a, a bad decision. And then on the other end of the court, you have Rondo. It's like, man, the game is tied up. We have almost 20-something lead changes, and he, he knocks down a three. He yeah. makes the great pass. He, he gets to the mid-range game and hit that shot. So, Walk, I don't know how you saw that, but I just thought it was interesting to see that dynamic between Westbrook and Rondo in those clutch moments. Well, well, I and, can touch on it real quick. And it's one of the reasons. Go ahead, Antoine. Go, Antoine. Go, 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 go. No, I, I can touch on it real quick. With, with Westbrook, you got to give him a lot of credit. He played, played terrible in game two. He responded. Like any superstar I'm supposed to do, he responded. And he played great in game three. The problem with, I think the difference is, I think when you look at Houston and obviously the Lakers, Rondo's job is to be a set up, set up get him good minutes off the bench, make a play or two. Yep. He doesn't have the same role as Westbrook. Westbrook has to get 30 points to have a chance for them to win, especially now with Covington, Daniel House Jr. You don't know if those guys are going to come back. So he has to be great, and he responded to it really well with a solid performance. I don't think he was great late in games, late in the game last night, but they got two different roles. So I don't try to put that pressure on Rondo to have to deliver like Westbrook. So it's, it's just a two different roles, but I do understand what you're saying, Brandon, but two different roles, two different situations. If Rondo scores four points, the Lakers are not going to be upset. And, and, and listen, the Rockets had to win one of these two games. As of 72 hours ago, the Rockets were 16-0 and in games when they hit 40% of their threes. They've now lost two games in a row in that situation. We, we talked yesterday Russ had had one playoff game where he was above 50% from the field since Durant left the Thunder. He just had his second last night, and they lost. And we don't know what the status of Daniel House is, and we don't know what the status of Robert Covington is. The Rockets are now in a brutal, brutal spot. But Wilds, I want to say something to you because you said something yesterday <laughs> that it didn't bother me as a friend. It, it bothered me to my core as a sports observer oh. because you brought up Kawhi Leonard in contact in comparison to LeBron 
And you're like, oh, basically, the reason America hates you, Nick, the reason America is so angry at you and mean to you on Twitter is because you you hold Kawhi to this obscene standard and LeBron just gets a pass. And I've been thinking about it throughout the morning because LeBron James last night set the all-time record for postseason wins. In a few weeks, he's going to move into second on the all-time record for postseason assists. He already has, we can show it, the most points, the most steals, the most free throws, the most baskets, second most threes. He'll move into the top 10 in blocks here in short order. And and last night, he also had a 29-point half and then a four-block third quarter and then was marvelous playing nearly 40 minutes. And it's like, oh, yeah, another LeBron game. And it's like the third storyline here. So I do think there right. is, you know, our friend Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer tweets out about once a week during the playoffs, don't take LeBron James for granted. Folks are taking him for granted, Wilds. What he is able to do at 50,000 plus career minutes in year 17 on both ends of the court, we've just become numb to it. He, he is, statistically speaking, the most dominant playoff performer we've ever seen, and it's not even close. And again, Rondo deserves the credit because what he did was surprising. But it speaks, Wilds, to where LeBron is that we're not surprised that he was a point away from a 30-point half in a gotta-have-it playoff game against a team with two MVPs on the court. So what's that have to do with me? I was just talking about Kawhi Leonard and how he scored zero. You, it's really that you hurt, you hurt Kawhi's feelings. So what, why'd I get thrown into this like great LeBron, great great LeBron stat? You're like Wilds, you did me wrong yesterday as a friend and as a as a person. You're like what I what did I do? I think you put all these great LeBron. I don't take it for granted. I like him. I just think that you you make fun of Kawhi too much. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe I, maybe I'm lashing out. Maybe I'm using you as an avatar for others. All right, once again, Lakers get the win last night. They take a 2-1 series lead over the Rockets. Back here with Brian Westbrook. So the Cardinals were busy yesterday locking up their star wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins signing a two-year $54 million extension with Arizona. That keeps him there for the next five years. The deal averages out to just under $19 million per in total. So, Brian... Let me ask you, how important is DeAndre Hopkins to what the Cardinals want to accomplish this year? Oh, Jenna, he's very important for, for the Cardinals. And, I, and I'll put it in a, in a reference that I think we all can understand because we all have children. It's like, you know, you run into your child's room, they're crying in the middle of the night, and you're like, what's wrong, baby? And they're just saying, I just want my blanket. I want that security blanket, my favorite blanket, that, that blanket that gives me comfort and it allows me to sleep during the night. You give them that blanket and they sleep the rest all that. of the night. Well, yeah, he, they, they try. Believe me, they try. Or, or they just say, <laughs> I just want to get in your bed. But for, for, for this point, they just, you just give well, them the, the blanket. Really but yeah, the, the truth is, is that this is Kyler Murray's security blanket. Just imagine that the Seahawks are, are blitzing his third and seven. There are eight men about to blitz. And Kyler Murray has the ability to look to his right and say, you know what? I have this guy, DeAndre Hopkins, one-on-one. Uh, and all I have to do is put the ball in his area. All I have to do is put the ball around him. And I know with his ability to go up and get those contested catches, those one-on-one balls, that he's going to make that play. I remember this. I remember back in 06, there was this big old receiver 
um, coming out of UCF. Big old hands. He's strong. <laughs> he had good speed, great size. But and, and those are the great things. But I think if I talk to Jake Plummer and Jay Cutler, they would say the reason why I love Brandon Marshall is because he enlarges my margin of error. He, in his size and his ability to go up and get those contested balls, whether they're jump balls, whether they're low balls, whether it's going across the middle, he allows me to enlarge my margin of error. And now I don't have to be perfect as a quarterback. And that's all that quarterbacks want. They don't want to have to be perfect. And with a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, you don't have to be perfect. And, and lastly, I think when you think about that offense, it's a lot of Kyler Murray moving the pocket, running around just a little bit. It kind of lends itself to a, a, a continuous scramble drill. And, Brandon, you understand in the scramble drill, your receivers have to go deep. They have to cross the middle. They have to come back to the ball. And a keep lot of moving. those catches are contested. And you keep moving. And DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best in the league at continuous movement and catching the football. And, and that's why he's going to be a great asset for Kyler Murray. I 100% agree, but I've always looked at it this way. I've always felt like the recipe for a great offense is this. You got to have a quarterback that can throw the ball. He's efficient. You don't have to have the best quarterback. He just has to be efficient. A running back that can take advantage of the, 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 the matchups presented by, here's the kicker right here, the wide receivers. I think it starts there in today's NFL, in today's offense. Having a receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, don't forget about Larry Fitzgerald on the other side as well, but it gives you exactly what you just laid out for everyone, uh, B, is that opportunity to beat one-on-one. -on -one. There comes moments in games where it's man-on-man, -man, and that receiver on third down and two, third down and six, you got to be able to run that nine-yard stop route. You got to be able to run that go ball and be able to adjust on the back shoulder. You have to be able to catch the ball over your shoulder. When that happens... The defense has to adjust. You got to roll coverage, cover two. You got to play quarters. So what does that do for you, B? It gives you six-man boxes, seven-man boxes. And now we're going to see Westbrook, I'll show love to you, doing your thing, being able to pick up those big chunk plays. We call these big plays 10, 15 yards at a time. And this is the most amazing thing about having a wide receiver, dominant number one receiver on the outside that yep. you can just throw the ball up to, Nick. Sets up everybody for success. The offensive coordinator, the quarterback, the running game, everybody. Listen, I, I, I think sometimes people get too you know, lost in the details. The Cardinals acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins was the single best non-senior citizen acquisition any NFL team made all offseason. <laughs> It's the single most impactful move a team could have made that didn't involve adding a geriatric quarterback. There's no, I mean, he is that level of great. And they did it for a second round pick in David Johnson. And so, like, what he, and I, there are, I would say, various schools of thought on how good Kyler Murray is actually going to be. Is he going to be what most number one picks are expected to be? Or is he going to be limited because of his unprecedented stature at that position? Here's why DeAndre is so important. It don't matter. DeAndre Hopkins had 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns and 100 plus catches when it was Hoyer, Mallett, TJ Yates, Brandon Whedon throwing to him. And then he had 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns and 100 plus catches when it was Deshaun Watson throwing to him. He's one of the only receivers in the league, Jenna, whose production is quarterback independent. And so it is a spectacular addition to a team. And 
if there were parts of DeAndre's game to unlock, right when he got to Houston, they had Andre Johnson, but they shortly thereafter moved on from him. He now, if there are things he can tighten up, there is no better player in the league for him to be teamed up with than Larry Fitzgerald for what they're going to be able to do in the meeting room and on the practice field to see if there are little things DeAndre can work on. But, Nick, I do want to quickly ask you about the money. Two years, $54 million. Were you surprised by that? Well, I mean, if it were, if he only had one year left on his deal, then two years, $54 million, you'd be like, wow, you know, that's going to be a heavy price tag. But when you've got three <laughs> years left on your deal, and he only had, it was three years and 40 left, so now it turns into five at for 94. That's right in line with all the top receivers. And so, Wilds, I, to me, this the Texans, you know, put out in the media in Houston yesterday, pretty obviously, see, this is why we had to trade him. He wants to pay a wide receiver quarterback money, but this ain't quarterback money. It's five years, 94 million bucks, which is right in line with Michael Thomas below Julio Jones. Keenan Allen, the other top paid receivers in the league, Wilds. Brandon, where do you have him in your in your rankings at least? Is he is he your number one wide receiver? I've said that for the last couple of years, just watching this guy on Thursday night football, Monday night football, Sunday uh, night football. I mean, this guy steps up in the biggest moments. So when I look at the number one receiver, it's tough. I, I want to show some some love to some of the guys that's more than capable of being in this discussion. Because when you look at situation and you look at wide receivers, no our success order. is in the hands of everyone else. The <laughs> offensive coordinator, the play caller, the quarterback, the offensive line. Can they stand up? Can they protect? So when you look at Devontae, Ad, Devontae Adams, can he be that guy? Yes. Can he, Adam Thielen, can he go for 1,500 yards? Yes. Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans. But when it comes down to like picking your squad and starting with that number one receiver, it comes down to three guys. DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and Julio Jones. Can you beat man-to-man -man on third and short? Can you run a slant? Can you run a nine-yard stop? Can you run a go in the back shoulder? When you look at skill set, you look at size, you look at speed, you look at football IQ, I have to go with Julio Jones, and it's hard because I love D-Hop. I absolutely love D-Hop, and I love Mike Brian, T. Brian, do you agree? <laughs> well, well, listen, I, I think you can never go wrong with Julio Jones. He has a combination of size, speed, uh, catch radius, catchability. So Julio, in my mind, is number one. But then you have Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins, almost 1A and 1B, almost on the same level. They, they, they are just productive receivers, guys that can co-make plays. They make it easy on the quarterback. The other thing I want to mention, and I think Brandon brought it up earlier, and, and I remember having T.O. on my team, and there was a big difference between the defenses that we yep. faced with T.O. on our team than the defenses that we faced with T.O. not on our football That's team. Right. And that ability to get five and six-man boxes because you have to double-team T.O., that ability that opens up things for the running backs, it opens up other things for, for, for other players, other receivers, other tight ends. It really opens things up for the quarterback. So this is obviously a great addition. It also bumps Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald down from being the number one and number two receivers, which at this point in Larry's career, he's not a number one at all. Now they can take the pressure off of those guys. They don't have to produce as much. This is going to be a much better offense because of the arrival of DeAndre Hopkins. 
That's right. Hey, hey guys, quick question here. And I am not a football expert at all. I have never played a down of NFL football. But yeah, if we could put yeah, Brandon's yeah. list up. <laughs> I, I, for real, I've never played. And I, I, it's good for me to be on the show because I, I learn a lot. But I, and I don't. I think that the playoffs are important, right, Nick? That's like how you get to the Super Bowl, and and we don't have the person sure. with the most active, uh, second most receiving yards in oh playoffs of God. all time. Oh, uh, fourteen hundred and forty-two yards. I wanted yards. to be on your second side to here, only Wilds. Jerry Rice. Okay. You know, I'm not an expert. Yeah, I am not. It. But that seems like an stop important it. stat for future Hall of Famer Julian Edelman. And I don't know if it's a graphic mistake okay. or maybe I'm just no. naive on how the playoffs work and football. Well, maybe well, here, yards here's aren't the situation. important. Maybe winning Super Bowl rings not important. It's good. I don't it's know. good. It, it, it is. It it's is. Good. But look, look, there's 32, there's 32 uh, number one wide receivers. But in the, real, the reality is there's only five to ten dog number one receivers. Okay, not everyone is truly a number one receiver, a franchise wide receiver. So when you look at that, that's why Edelman doesn't fit in that box because can Edelman day after day after day go outside at the X position, at the Z position, and run slant, run a hitch, run a back shoulder, run the go? I don't think he can. I think Edelman, he's one of my all-time favorite players to watch. But at the end of the day, Edelman, he has a lot, a lot of his success was dictated off of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And I don't want to take Brandon, anything from Brandon, this guy because Brandon, I love I gotta him. I got to jump in for it. I got to jump in, man. We, we can take plenty away from him. It was not a serious inquiry by Wilds, and it did not deserve that serious of a response. No one in the world thinks you love Julian Edelman off the list. You could have gone 20 deep. Edelman doesn't make it. It is insane that you actually took that seriously and defended it. took it seriously. Wilds is just out here throwing throwing bombs into the show. I was trying. He's like, hey, what about my seven Patriot? It's so dumb. Not a dog receiver. According to, to Brandon that. Marshall. Yeah. Oh Getting back God. to Nuke, we get to oh see DeAndre Hopkins in his Cardinals uniform Sunday when they face the uh, 49ers. That game on Fox. Take a break. Talk some hoops on the other side. Could Giannis be on his way out of Milwaukee after another crushing playoff exit? That is next. This is First Things First. Bucks Heat Game 5. Bucks on the verge of elimination last night and all Giannis could do was watch as the team made the decision to hold him out with that bad angle. Miami took full advantage, finishing off the NBA's best regular season team. Miami now moving on. Bucks are headed home again. So where does the loss leave Giannis? Here he is after the game. Uh, hopefully we can learn from this and, um, you know, get better as a team and uh, come back and hopefully we can build a, a culture in Milwaukee that uh, for many years that we can come out here and compete every single year for the, for the championship. And with that, we welcome back in Antoine Walker. Antoine, I don't know, kind of sounded like Giannis had a little staying power in Milwaukee. Did his postgame comments convince you that maybe he would stay with the Bucks moving forward? Well, he should want to stay. It's unfortunate. Injuries are part of the game. He got hurt. Um, I don't know if that would have made a difference in this series. They were not playing good basketball. But Giannis has a, a lot of individual accolades. He'll probably be a um, back-to-back MVP award. He'll probably win the, win the MVP this year. But the reason why the Bucs um, did not play well is that Giannis got exposed offensively. 
I think if people really watch this series, he's got a lot of work to do. And I, and I know people are going to be like, why, why would you say that? That's hard because he's had so many great things happen to him. But he's gotten better every year throughout his career. If you look at his numbers and his stats, he has to get an yep. in-between game. He has to get a 15-footer. He's going to have to get some semblance of a post-up game. He's worked really hard to be able to shoot a three-pointer. Uh, so I give him credit for that. And he's really bad from the free throw line. That could become a real problem. Yeah. We saw LeBron James have problems at the free throw line, but LeBron tends to make some of the big ones. But Giannis has to get better. It's not solely on him. Obviously, the team, um, the organization is going to have to continue to put pieces around him. But Giannis really got exposed in this Heat series by a great defensive team with young, hungry bodies that they could put on him, smaller guys that he should have been able to take advantage of. But everything with Giannis is in transition right now. So he's going to have to figure it out. Look at yep. self in the mirror. He's going to have an opportunity to make a ton of money. Um, Chris Middleton showed that he's a, a could be a good Robin. Robin in this situation, he's a 50, 40, 90 guy. He has to get better, and and better for him is to be more aggressive. And then they have to make a decision at the point guard position. What what are they going to do? Is Eric Bledsoe going to be your point guard because you signed him the big money and extension a year ago? Um, I don't necessarily know if that's the answer, but they do got two main guys. They can compete at a very high level, and they got to continue to add veterans. Kyle Corver's getting old, so you're going to probably have to replace him. Marvin Williams is kind of towards the end of his career. So they got some work cut out, but he for just, Giannis, he's retiring. Of course, yep. he should stay there. He should stay there. Marvin, I mean, um, Giannis should stay there and continue to build, but he has to get better individually. Um, he got exposed this um, this playoff series, and hopefully he looks at the film and sees the areas he needs to improve in. So a couple things. Listen, Giannis is one of my four favorite players in the league, but I'm going to tell you something that's not going to age well. Giannis back in December playing LeBron and the Lakers when he has a massive play in the fourth quarter and he crowns himself and says, this bleeps mine now. Th that clip is going to look really interesting juxtaposed to him receiving his MVP trophy via Zoom because he's back home in Milwaukee <laughs> while LeBron's en route to title number four. But that's neither here nor there. Here's what Giannis's post-game comments meant to it's me. It's here. There is a 0% yeah. chance. There's a 0% chance he's demanding a trade this summer. So we know that now. And Milwaukee fans, that's the first sigh of relief. He's not going to demand a trade. He is going to play out the contract. Now, are we certain he's going to sign the extension this summer? The comments last night made it seem like he is. And I hope he understood that when he said those things last night. It made it sound like they are going to come to him with the, the super max offer, nearly a quarter of a billion bucks. And given his comments last night, you would expect him to sign on the dotted line. If I were Giannis, I don't know if I would do that early I might wait and see how next year goes because there are three teams that we know are positioning themselves for Giannis the Miami Heat the Dallas Mavericks and the Toronto Raptors and what all three of those teams have that the Bucks clearly do not is a championship coach Eric Spolstra has got a couple rings. Nick Nurse just won one. Rick Carlisle won one a decade ago. So forget the fact that you could play with Luca or you could play with Jimmy or you could play with Pascal Siakam. I think Middleton and Siakam are about equivalent players. It, it is for Giannis's game to grow, is it going to grow in Milwaukee? 
because the last time we saw a guy win back-to-back -back MVPs, have his team with the best record back-to-back -back years, and not make the finals either year was LeBron in Miami, or LeBron in Cleveland. And he had to go to Miami for his game to grow, for him to get that post-up game, for him to evolve and mature. So I am not rooting for Giannis to leave, but Wilds, I would be, he made it sound last night like he's gonna take the Supermax. If I were him, I'd want to see what the team does this next year because that contract offer is going to be available to him whenever he wants it. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that he didn't or he wasn't asked straight up, hey, are you going to sign the Supermax? And I know they can't even they got fined earlier this year for saying they were going to offer him the Supermax, one of the dumbest fines in NBA history. But I think the most surprising thing is that the perennial uh, like uh, they have a championship team. They get knocked out in the second round by the fifth seed. And it's probably a good day for Bucks fans. He's going to sign the Supermax. He looks around, and I think it's a bad day. There's going to be no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar storylines. I don't think he's going to go to the Raptors. I think it's a bad day for Masai. I think it's a bad day for all the people putting him in a Warriors jersey. I think it's a bad day for Pat Riley. Well, that was always stupid. He's going to stay. And, Nick, I think, I'm going to throw it back to you. you. He showed that there was a trust in the organization, not only when he said, hey, they cared about my safety. He's, he didn't feel like he was going to hold anyone's feet over the fire and even say, like, we need to get better. Before I sign it, we need to get better. Or he was confident with the teammates, and he's confident that the team is going to get yeah. better. He didn't publicly demand that we need to make moves that we've seen – people on the verge of signing the Supermax do before. Yeah, and, and that's I think part of that, Brandon, is, to be totally honest, uh, who he is culturally. I, I think this is similar. We were Good You point. were saying early in the series, he needs to go to the coach and demand to play more minutes. Gian, Giannis is who he is personality-wise, and the other factor is Milwaukee is Giannis's American hometown. It's the only city That's he's true. ever yeah. lived in in this country. And so I do think they have some structural advantages, Brandon, that lead to him doing something that would be kind of different than many stars in his position we've seen. Yeah, I mean, you, you literally just laid my foundation for me to prove my point here. Uh, Giannis isn't going anywhere. There's two disturbing trends around American sports. Number one, we're seeing guys put their brand before ball. We're seeing guys before they can make a basket or score a touchdown, try to figure out how they can make a million bucks off the court, off the field. We're also seeing guys try to search for the perfect situation. Oh, it's not working out here, so let me just go to the next team. Giannis is not trendy. For that reason, in, in everything you said from a cultural fit, this is a, a, his American hometown, for that particular reason, Giannis isn't going anywhere. He's not a trendy player. He's not a trendy person. Walt, this reminds me of a guy you played with, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade was a guy that said, you guys come play with me. LeBron James, <laughs> Chris Bosh, you guys come play with me. So I don't know how you feel about this, but to me, Giannis isn't going anywhere. Uh, I think this is, I think all you guys make great points. I think one thing that stands out, the Milwaukee Bucks looked at Grant Hill years ago, and you guys can look at the Grant Hill, they were, they were getting swept in the series. Grant Hill hurts his ankle, tried to come back, never was the same. 
So the Bucks, I think the Bucks looked at that situation. I think that spoke volumes for Giannis because there was no pressure for them to try to come back. Like, you have to do it this year. Oh. We can't get back there. Because they know they're oh, building something right now. You So you know they're building something. I think that's, that spoke I- volumes for Giannis. And then I think, obviously, hmm. when you look at what Giannis is going to make contractual, it's hard to turn down the Supermax. I mean, you saw what happened in the playoffs. He twists his ankle, that foot. That can go the, the wrong way, and that money could be off the table. So I think Giannis is going to take that money, being the way he comes from. And I think he's not a guy, too. The last thing I would add, he's not a LeBron James. He's not looking for marketing deals off the court. He's a basketball player. He's a grit and grind type of guy. I don't think he's looking for those things. So the big cities probably won't have a chance to get him. You guys gleaned all that off of that one post-game press conference. I'm shocked. I don't think it's as good as John, but we shall see. Tuan, thank you so much for today, as always. NFL season starts tomorrow night. We got to ask, will it be a two-team race to win the AFC all season long between Mahomes and Lamar? Lamar and Mahomes, Mahomes, Lamar. Next on First Things First, I'm Warren Finkel. Let us on this NFL Eve talk some Kansas City Chiefs. They are set to open their season tomorrow night against the Texans. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens open Sunday with the Browns. Those two teams, guys, those two teams heavily favored to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. We welcome back in Brian Westbrook. Brian, you think it'll be a two-team race to win the AFC all season long between the Chiefs and the Ravens? Well, of course, I love the, the the pick of the Chiefs and the Ravens because they were the two of the most dominant teams last season. But as far as this year, I know how things change in the NFL from year to year. Usually there's a team that made the playoffs that won't make the playoffs, and there's a team that didn't make the playoffs that will make the playoffs. And when I look at these two teams, they're far and above probably the best and most talented teams on paper. But different things happen every single year. And, and, and let's use the Ravens in particular uh, to begin with. Inside that division, they have a lot of the difficulty. And I think because the Cleveland Browns with their new coach, Stefanski, that very good defense and that high-powered offense, I think that could be a problem for the Ravens. I also think when I look at the Steelers, their ability to play defense, even though uh, they were giving the ball right back to the other team um, last year without Ben Roethlisberger, I think that could be a, a deterrent for the Ravens as well. So I think they have some difficulty in the division. And then when I look at the, the Chiefs, you know, they have the best player in football, great tight end, great receiver, new running back situation, a great coach. They have everything that a coach, a team, a fan set, Nick Wright would possibly want. However, I know this. Mm-hmm. The Patriots, as good as they were for the last 20 years, they only had one back-to-back season, 03 and 04, where they were able to repeat as Super Bowl champions. And the reason for that is because it's hard to do. It's almost impossible to do because expectations change. Also, the pressure on you change. And here's the other thing. Your hunger and the, the, the ability to go out there and work hard every single day changes after you win a Super Bowl. It also changes, in my case, for, for a lot of the teams that I played on, it changes after you make it to the Super Bowl. And so I just think it's going to be a lot more difficult than just throwing out the ball and saying the Chiefs and the Ravens are going to be the best team yeah. in the AFC, even though they look like that on paper. So Sorry, Brian. I'm over here cheesing uh, air to air because Nick absolutely <laughs> crushed me a few segments ago. He thought that I was just the, the, just crazy for saying what I'm about to say. Earlier, I said there was four teams. Now I'm going to add a fifth team because you gave me ammo and you gave me backup. So it's not about two teams. It's about five teams now. I love the Steelers 
because of Mike Tomlin, the return of Big Ben, what mm -hmm. Coach Tomlin did last year was phenomenal. You can't, you can't forget that. This is a strong team. He galvanized yep. that team midway through with losing quarterback after quarterback, revamping his, de his defense. And then the Titans. The Titans have the best recipe for success when it comes to taking a postseason run. Why? Because they play great defense. They are smart in situational football. That's key. They have an efficient passing game. And, oh, they can run the ball. And then let's add in my fifth team, which is the Colts. Colts, man, they should be... They, they should be extremely proud of themselves for putting themselves in proper position going out to getting that 38-year-old quarterback, Nick, because this team has everything they need around them. Wide receivers, pass catchers, uh, offensive line, defensive guys that can make big plays. So for that reason, it's not two, it's not four, it's five teams in the AFC. All right, well, Brandon, listen, you said I crushed you the first time, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach this from a different angle. What I like <laughs> about your commentary there is you expanded it to five teams and you still left out Wild's beloved Patriots, which made him have the bitter yeah. beer face, that entire rant right there. <laughs> so that did make me happy. But here is why Brian is wrong and why Brandon is wrong. If We all agree the Chiefs and the Ravens are two of the best teams in football. I would argue they are the two best teams in football, but certainly of the best. The next teams on that list, in no particular order, you'd have the Cowboys, you'd have the Niners, you'd have the Seahawks, you'd have the Saints, you might include the Packers. What do all those teams have in common? All those teams, other than the Chiefs and Ravens, are in the other conference. So you might have the two best teams in football in one conference, and the next five, six, seven teams, if you want to include the Vikings, the Bucks, some of those teams that other people are very high on, are all in the NFC. It would be gobsmacking if this season ends without one of these two teams going to the Super Bowl. You mentioned, Brian, that the Patriots only repeated once, but they did just recently make the Super Bowl three years in a row. So they, were the, they won the they AFC three consecutive seasons. And so I just, when you, and when the teams going up against them, Brian, are quarterbacked by Rivers and Roethlisberger, who are combined 76, and Ryan Tannehill, who has a combined 15 great games in his career, I just don't, I don't see the path for another team. Nick, let me ask you this. Do you remember what was going on in your mind? Do you remember what was going on in your household, in their household, in the playoff game when the Chiefs were down by 24 to the Texans. Do you remember what was going on at that point? You were saying, Absolutely. you had to be saying to yourself, <laughs> you know what? there's a possibility that we may lose. And you can't sit here and tell me that you didn't have that on your mind. Oh. Now, of course, you know that you had. I'll tell you exactly what I was thinking. I'll tell you exactly what I was thinking. You didn't have any idea that he I had was... five touchdowns <laughs> in him. And the next week, what about I was... when they played the Brian... Titans? They were they were mm -hmm. in the course of yeah. losing yeah. that football game, and again, Patrick mm -hmm. Mahomes saved the and day. If Mark, and, I, I, listen, and if Mark and if Mark Ingram doesn't pull his calf, no, and if Mark Ingram doesn't pull his calf, you can easily things. say that the Ravens yeah. make yeah. it to the Super Bowl. Oh, okay, that's great. But so let me just answer Brian's question real quick, Jenna. Here's what I was thinking when they were down 24 nothing to the Texans, and then down 10 points to the Titans, and then down 10 points in the Super Bowl. I was incredibly nervous that I was going to lose my Chiefs minus the points bets.
But not only did they win all those games, they covered them all too because they got the GOAT quarterback <laughs> with Andy Reid and Tyree Kill and everybody else. So was I nervous they'd lose? No. Was I nervous I might lose a little bit of money? But thank you, Bill O'Brien. I'll always appreciate that. Down 24 nothing, then trailing He's at halftime. Dead. Great job, Texans. So <laughs> no, I was, I was nervous about the money, Jenna, but I was not nervous about the Chiefs losing. Uh, Never hand steady as could right, be. Uh, uh, I, I want, that. yeah, I'm sure. I want to bring up one other subject before we go to break. You guys mentioned the Bucks. Leonard Fournette, so excited about playing with Tom Brady. He inadvertently tossed a little shade at his former team. Fournette saying yesterday, for the first time in my life, I really have a quarterback. Take that, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, and my guy Gardner Minshew. Brandon, Fournette's comments, fair or foul? This is totally foul, but I understand it. I get it. This is part of the maturation process and the growing pains for Leonard Fournette. When I left the Chicago Bears and went to the New York Jets, I said something like, Jay Cutler doesn't have any Weibos. And then Jay Cutler responds. He's like, Brandon is like that ex-girlfriend that keeps calling you. You know, you just can't get over it. So, <laughs> Leonard Fournette, just keep your mouth shut. Just move on. Learn from my mistakes. You don't want to open yourself up to criticism. Yeah, I'll say Ryan. this. I think I think the comment, first of all, is 100% true. There's no doubt in my mind he had no quality quarterbacks there in Jacksonville. And that's part of the reason why when you hear people leaving Jacksonville, they're all celebrating and that the guys that left before them are saying, congratulations, you're out of that place. I'm happy for you. The other part was that it was also completely unnecessary. He didn't have to go back and trash these guys. But absolutely, everything he said was absolutely true. Yeah. So, so, Brian, do you want him to say it or not? Um, I want him to not say it, but if you are going to say it, at to least say, say something it. that's true. And, and what he said was actively true. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's weird. It's like, Does it's that one of those satisfy rare you, things Wilds? That it's true, but also don't say it. Unnecessary. Completely unnecessary yeah, to people, say it. Everybody, people all, everybody like already honesty. knew that. But here's the thing. I'm very curious, Brandon. Do you and Leonard Fournette, like, do you guys have a monthly conference call for the the players who have been just bedeviled by terrible quarterback play? Because I do, I mean, Cutler was good and Russell Wilson was great and you had Eli briefly. But, I mean, I our guy Dusty sent me the list of Fournette's quarterbacks dating back to college. Here they are. Blake Bortles, Gardner Minshew, Cody Kessler, Nick Foles, Chad Henney, and then in college, the who's who of Brandon Harris, Danny Etling, Anthony Jennings, Brad Pragthorpe, <laughs> Justin McMillan, and Lindsey Scott. I promise all of those are real names. So at first I wanted to crush Fournette. I'm like, hey man, you got to hold up your end of the bargain. And then I looked at that list and I'd be like, yeah, he's kind of got a point. Like he's kind of like, I don't know what his high school quarterbacks look like, but he kind of, he kind of has a point, Brandon. Yeah, no, I, I disagree because I think the wide receiver, if anybody should should make have make that statement and feel that way, uh, Brian, I don't know about you, but I've always thought that the running back make the quarterbacks better. When you have an average quarterback or a quarterback that's not so good, yeah, then you can lean on the run game and it opens up everything else for you. So I, I disagree a little bit there. I tell you this, I, I wish that Andy Reid felt like the running backs made the quarterback better. He would have paid me a lot more money. Andy Reid always felt that the quarterbacks <laughs> were going to make everything better, and that's why they gave Donovan McNabb all the doggone money. 
<laughs> oh, if only the Bucks played the Jags this season, but they don't, so I'm glad I brought it up. Take a break. Let me ask you this. How did LeBron and the Lakers take the lead in the series last night against the Houston Rockets? That's next. This is First Things First. All right, welcome back here on First Things First. Our top story this morning, last night's Game 3, Lakers-Rockets. L.A. rallied in the fourth in this one. Ray Jean Rondo was good. Finished with 21-9, and nine, but this game was all about LeBron. He had 36 points. And the Lakers beat the Rockets in Game 3. They now take a 2-1 series lead. Nick, start with you. What would you make of the Lakers taking the lead for the first time in this series? Yeah, this is just a crushing defeat for Houston. They went into the game shorthanded with no Daniel House, which meant Austin Rivers was going to have to play. That didn't go well, as most of us thought it wouldn't. And then during the game, they lose Robert Covington. If he is out for game four, they're down to six real rotation players if House doesn't come back, which is why they had to win game three. And so why didn't they? Russ was excellent. This was one of Russ's best playoff games in years from an efficiency standpoint. Harden was Harden, 30-plus points, near 30-point triple-double. They, they didn't shoot a ton of threes, but they made them at a clip 40%. As of three days ago, they were undefeated in games when they shoot 40% from three. So why did the Rockets lose? Well, because you lose a lot when you go up against the greatest player ever. And Wilds laughed at me for a tweet yesterday, but, oh, well, we'll get to Rondo. Wilds laughed at me for a tweet yesterday, but when you look at these numbers and just know they're just going to continue to grow, they're continue to be more gaudy, you do understand that this whole who's the greatest player ever discussion, in 30 years, our grandkids are going to not believe us that it was a debate. And you know they might still be wearing Michael Jordan's <laughs> shoes, but people still play the John Madden video game and they don't even know he was a coach. So, like, th these numbers, he, the reason I'm showing it is last night he moved into first on the all-time wins mark. Later this playoffs, he'll move into second on the all-time playoff assists. He'll move into the top ten on the all-time playoff blocks. They're just going to continue to grow. And Brandon, what he did last night with 29 first-half points, most points in a playoff half he's had since the biggest game of his career, Game 6 in Boston in 2012, and then in the second half leading a stifling defensive effort that held the Rockets to 38 second half points. That is what you do when you are still in year 17, the best player in the world, and it's not particularly close. So yes, I know you guys are going to talk about Rondo, but for Russ to play the way he did, Houston to shoot the way they shot, Harden to do his thing, and the Lakers to still run away with it at the end, it's, only, it's because they have LeBron James and you don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Wilds crush you with the Rondo take, but LeBron was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, this last night was a great display of his greatness. He could have went for 70 if he wanted to. A lot of people think that he had a bad second half, and I disagree. I thought he did exactly what he needed to do. He came out fast. He came out hot. He got everybody going, and then he started getting his guys involved. LeBron was brilliant. Now, we look at Russell Westbrook, and we look at the stat line, the box scores, and, and, and some would say he had an amazing game, and, and I, I disagree. I think he had a really good game. You said it was his best playoff game in, in years, but I, I look at moments in games, defining moments, and there were some times where we in football call them 
drive killers. You know when you you got that momentum and then the yep. offensive line they jump off sides or they they got this uh, holding penalty called on them. Wide receiver drops the ball, quarterback throws the pick, and it's like, oh, we were just about to get in the fringe. We were just about to get in the red zone. We were just about to score. And that's, to me, what, yeah. what, what, what Westbrook presented last night in those moments in the third quarter. There were so many times where the Rockets could have separated. And Rondo, he didn't take bad shots, but he just didn't make a few big shots. And to me, that, that was critical. Russ. But at the end of the day, I can't crush Russ. Because it comes down to Eric Gordon, and it also comes down to P.J. Tucker, who did a phenomenal job on the defensive side, but they were nowhere to be found on offense. Collectively, they scored 13 points, and they, like you said, they were already at a disadvantage Killer. because they had a couple guys not playing. So to me, there's so many storylines here. I still love this series, but Russ got to get in the flow in those crit critical moments. And then also P.J. Tucker and Eric Gordon, they have to step up and do their job. I don't know why the Rockets aren't more intentional in getting this guy the ball in the corner for the three. He's been the best only for the last three years. Yeah. Look, true. the Rockets need to shoot more threes. LeBron had an amazing game. But we all know this was about playoff Rondo. And people in New England have been early on three things historically. These are the big three things. The first was the American Revolution. The second was Dunkin' Donuts. And the third was playoff Rondo. And he's been that way since he first got here. If we look at his legendary status, it's him and Magic Johnson, Nick. 3,500 minutes, 1,300 points. 845 assists Woo. through the first six years of your career. So that's what he was forged in steel with a legendary player like Magic Johnson. Then we just look up. He gives you more points. He gets you an extra rebound. Gives you an extra assist. And then, Nick, you'll love this one. I'll tie it back to your buddy. A thousand starts, a thousand mm. assists. The guys are on the floor at the same time. One makes the other one better. <laughs> so look, he literally was built for this, Nick. I would like you to take back all of your slander. I'm going to ask Lori to go onto our YouTube page and our Instagram and delete all of the uh, Rondo slander you've had. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a long week for her. We're going to pay her overtime for that. But are you ready to admit that you believe I, in playoff Rondo? Go ahead, Nick. I am ready to admit what I text you in confidence last night, but you revealed to the audience four minutes into the show. It might be a thing. I, 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 <laughs> I can't fully buy into it yet, but... What I can no longer do is crush the guy. It, it, listen, if you have watched every Laker game, as I have over the last two years, he's been the worst guy. Talon Horton Tucker was better in his minutes this year than Rondo was. But somehow, these, he, he, the first game back in playing in the bubble, he wasn't good, but I'll give him a pass because he was rusty. He had, he had the hand injury, then the back injury. These last two games, he's been exceptional. They don't, you're right, with as good as LeBron was, they don't win last night without him. And so you look back, he wasn't great throughout a bunch of regular seasons in a row, and then that playoff series against the Blazers with the Pelicans, he was awesome. He wasn't great the year with the Bulls, and then he had an amazing playoff game, but he got hurt in it, and I think it was game two of that series. And obviously that time with the Celtics. So Jenna, maybe coming into the league in year two, he's... It, winning a championship year four he's back in the finals years five and six he's in playoff battles with LeBron maybe it just messed with his very unique uh, basketball mind to where 
He's only in excited or interested come playoff time. I don't know what it is, but I must admit, the folks who've been bellowing at me playoff Rondo, Jenna, right now, they do appear to be correct. And by the way, it's Ladies thrilling. I've never wanted to be wrong this. about something more than this. If it helps LeBron get his fourth ring, but it is, it's just hard to believe given how he's played the last couple of years, but they might be right, Jenna. I was going to say this was Nick's eight-minute way of saying I'm wrong, but it was his nine-minute way, actually, <laughs> of saying perhaps I was wrong. Uh, I was going to sit on that for a second, but I guess we'll move on. Big news out of OKC last night. First, the team parted ways with head coach Billy Donovan. Then news breaking that Chris Paul could be on the move this offseason. Mark Stein tweeted, there are rival teams that believe Milwaukee will explore trading for Chris Paul, complicated as that would be financially, if Oklahoma City indeed makes CP3 available via trade. One more thing to track as the Bucks enter perhaps the most crucial offseason in team history. Nick, I'll send it back to you. Would CP3 be a good fit with, say, Giannis and the Bucks? Oh, he'd be a great <laughs> fit. A great, great fit. Now, I don't know how – and by the way, OKC is going to move on from Chris Paul, I believe. When they don't bring back Billy Donovan, it signals they're entering a rebuild. I, now, what the Bucks have going for him is – I don't think the Thunder want a bunch of draft picks because they have so many draft picks from the uh, trade of Russ and the trade of Paul George. I don't know how Milwaukee creates the best package, but Wilds, this he would be the perfect guy to pair with Giannis and a guy who I think could potentially put the Bucks over the top next year. I agree. And if you love NBA basketball, you got to love Chris Paul. And he's a guy that needs a ring. I don't think he belongs in the Stockton, Malone, James Harden world of great players who don't get rings. This, he needs this on his resume. And I do want him to come to New York. I think Leon Rose wants him to New York. But if you really love Chris Paul and you really want him to get a ring, he should go to Milwaukee, Jenna. Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of distractions out there. There's the big city. You just talked about it, Wilds. Uh, there's also the 76ers. Don't be distracted. Wilds was right. Go get your ring. And the fastest way to do that is to go to the Bucks. Find a way to get this done. All right, action tonight. Clippers Nuggets game four. Clippers lead 2-1 in the series. Brandon, back to you. What is the X factor in this game? Oh, Mike Malone. Coach, no one's going to say it, but this is the best We've seen any coach, a uh, job of a coach uh, in the playoff bubble. You got to give love to this guy. He's mixing it up on a defensive side. He's getting everyone involved on the offensive side, but he needs to step up and inspire these guys. We need to see some emotion. I want to see those guys diving on, on the floor for loose balls. So Coach Malone is the X factor. You're doing a great job of dialing up. Now inspire. Give your greatest speech ever. Go ahead, Wilds. Back-to-back -back apologies from Nick Wright tomorrow. Today was to playoff <laughs> Rondo. Tomorrow to playoff P, following up on a big 32-point game. Back-to-back -back apologies from Nick Wright tomorrow. Tune in. Uh, Jenna, okay. Jenna, Nick. to me, the X factor is, can Marcus Morris keep up his Cal Ripken-esque streak? A notoriously, by his own admission, just clumsy player has somehow gone four games in a row without accidentally stepping on somebody's ankle. Not shockingly, there's no nuggets with injured ankles. So it's just something to watch for. Can he make it five in a row? I'm rooting for you, Marcus. See you tomorrow.